1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a DR Media production.
0: Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. As most of you know, I had a miscarriage in July. Since sharing my story, so many amazing people have reached out to support me by either sharing encouraging words or their own story. I am forever grateful to each person who has taken the time to connect with me. One of the people who reached out is here with me today. Her name is Dr. Sunita Osborne, and I am so excited to have her as a guest today. Dr. Osborne is a licensed psychologist and writer. She works as a therapist and is the director of operations at Modern Therapy, a unique and growth-driven group practice in Houston, Texas that caters specifically towards helping high-functioning professionals and creatives navigate relationships, work, and life. After finding herself lost and without a map after her own experiences of pregnancy loss, she became committed to increasing awareness and decreasing stigma towards miscarriage. Her book, The Miscarriage Map, What to Expect When You Are No Longer Expecting, was published in August of this year and is based on her personal experience with miscarriage, as well as her professional experience helping clients deal with life after miscarriage. Everybody, please welcome Dr. Osborne to With Wit. Thank you. How are you? today. I'm really good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you coming all the way in from Texas. Yes. Enjoying some (laughs) LA sunshine. Exactly.
1: I will take any excuse to escape the Texas humidity. It just feels completely different being here just outside. It's like, wow, that's this coolness. I haven't experienced that for months. I know. It feels really fresh right now, even though when you really think about Los Angeles, the air is kind
0: of anything but fresh. (laughs) But I'm really, really excited to have you in here. Your work is very, very inspiring. I think it would be helpful. For everyone to maybe first hear your story and why you wrote this book and your personal experience with miscarriage, because obviously it takes sometimes going through something yourself to really know how to help
1: others. For sure. Yeah. And so my story starts off with as you mentioned, I'm a therapist, and mm-hmm. throughout my time in therapy, I've helped countless clients through their own experiences of grief. Mm-hmm. And last year, I found myself on the other side of the therapeutic couch mm-hmm. working through my own grief. So mm-hmm. in just July of last year, my husband and I decided, okay, we are ready to have kids. Mm. I don't know if there's ever such a thing as like a light bulb moment of like, I am ready, but we were as ready as we were going to be. As ready as you'll ever be. Exactly. And I guess, correction, I was as ready as I was ever going (laughs) to be. He needed a couple more months. Fair. Right,
0: right? Yeah. Sometimes it takes a little
1: time for the men.
0: I mean, for me, it was opposite. My husband had been ready since like the second we got married and I needed a little
1: more time, but I think probably most, most men takes mm-hmm. a little
0: bit more time. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: That was my situation that like I was ready. He needed a little bit more like conversations, yeah. more reassurance that like we were going to be okay. It's a yeah. huge step, but we can handle it. Mm-hmm. So we found out in September of last year that we were pregnant for the mm-hmm. first time. So it took
0: a very little time, Yeah, like a
1: couple months for you to actually get pregnant. Yeah. I felt really fortunate in yeah. that. Almost this sense of like, oh my God, this is too good to be true. I yeah. can't believe we just talked about it and now it's happening. And we just, we embraced it completely fully. We were so excited about it. We started talking about baby names. We started talking about higher priorities. We're going to be shifting, but we were so excited for all of that to happen. Mm-hmm. And we were definitely in the boat of we told like everyone within yeah. like the first weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I cannot keep anything to myself when it's like happy news yeah. or really just any news period. So by the right, it's just so fun to be mm-hmm. able to share that. And mm-hmm. really even early on for me, I was very much in the camp of no matter where the pregnancy went, I wanted the people in my life to know, because Mm -hmm. I knew that if it didn't go the direction that we were hoping for, I would need that support along Mm -hmm. the way. So Mm -hmm. by the end of that weekend, we found out my family knew, my best friends knew, my entire work team knew. So everyone was so excited Mm -hmm. for us. And we found out at the end of November that we were having a miscarriage. Okay. So you were eight weeks in? Yes, exactly. Yeah, we were eight weeks in. And, you know, up to that point, it was a fairly normal kind of pregnancy experience.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I had not too many symptoms, some nausea, some fatigue. I think the fatigue was probably like the biggest thing. Right. But apart from that, I felt pretty okay. I actually kind of thought, wow, I'm so lucky. Not only did this happen so early, but what an early kind of like easy pregnancy experience I'm having as well too. And then we went to the doctor and- They were concerned just like it wasn't progressing as quickly as they thought it should. Okay. Did you have any other physical signs like bleeding or anything like that? Not at all. And I will say that was something that was really challenging for me that Uh I know a lot of women, they experience those kind of physical signs. I give them kind of a cue of like maybe I'm spotting, something like that. Right. But I had zero of those symptoms. Right. And up to that point, we had been going and getting HCG testing, which is checking that hormone level to make sure that it was going up. And all of that was tracking appropriately. Interesting. So it was this kind of like crazy, hellish limbo, honestly, for the month of October of last year, where we were going to the doctor almost every week or so. And they were checking. They're like, okay, things are still moving, but we're still a little concerned right now. So I was left there in this place of like, what is happening right now? Like, right. is this a viable pregnancy? Is it not a viable pregnancy? And I'll say in my experience, and I've heard other clients mention this as well too, the word even like a viable pregnancy is something I had never thought about until I was in that situation. Right. I think I had this naive idea that pregnant equals baby, not pregnant equals like the chance of a baby or the chance that something could go wrong. Mm
0: -hmm. So how long were you in this limbo period of not knowing? It was about a
1: month, like the whole month of October. It was... Oh my, oh my gosh. Yes. It was so brutal. And it's funny being a therapist and dealing with anxiety. Cause like, I know all like the tricks. If there was another client sitting in front of me, I could walk them through what to do. And I was able to use some of those skills up to a point, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I was just like, up and down roller coaster all the time. Right. Going to Dr. Google, trying to get tips of like, is this normal? Could things be okay? Right. Even though probably as a doctor, you know one of the one things not to do is to (laughs) go to Google (laughs) and type in your symptoms. Oh my gosh, 100% because... I imagine many people out there have experienced this, that whenever you are looking at Dr. Google, you will find something that matches any answer you want, depending on your mood. So sometimes if I was like in a hopeful mood that I wanted to be like, you know what, maybe there is a chance that things are okay. I would find an answer that would reflect that. Right. On the other hand, I was in a really like, oh my God, I need to just prepare for the worst right now. I would find an answer that would Mm. reflect that as well too. So that certainly contributed to my anxiety as well.
0: And now a word from our partner. All right. So my brain has been feeling a little foggy lately and usually I'll turn to coffee, but I recently heard about Four Sigmatic and now I don't really feel like coffee's going to do the trick for me anymore. Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that mixes mushrooms and adaptogens with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powder, and edible skincare. Did you know that 64% of Americans drink coffee daily? A hundred percent should actually be drinking the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. It's more than just coffee. It contains lion's mane, which is my personal favorite functional mushroom. It is my brain's best friend. So when I'm feeling super foggy and just not all there, I can drink this and know that it will support more focus, productivity, and creativity during an extremely busy day. Fun fact, lion's mane mushrooms have long been used by Buddhist monks to help with focus during meditation. Something I personally need. Meditation has always been hard for me to focus on. Plus it includes chaga, the king of mushrooms. Chaga supports your immune system and antioxidant properties. Everybody knows that antioxidants are so good for us. You're probably thinking, does this coffee taste like mushrooms? I can guarantee it tastes just like regular coffee, not at all like mushrooms. It has zero sugar, zero carbs, zero calories. It's organic, vegan, paleo, sugar-free, dairy-free. Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee has half the caffeine of regular coffee, but it is really magical. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. Mushroom coffee is just super easy on my gut and it doesn't leave me with that awful jittery feeling or crash. My husband specifically cannot have the regular caffeine that's in coffee. So I've given this to him and it makes him feel so much more calm and gives him just the right amount of energy that he needs. They make easy to use packets you can take anywhere. You can stash them in your gym bag, your suitcase, literally anywhere. And of course, we have a special offer for the WithWit audience. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Just go to foursigmatic.com slash WithWit or enter code WithWit at checkout. That is Four Sigmatic, dot com slash with wit to receive 15% off your order. Enjoy. And now back to our combo. What were some of the coping mechanisms that helped you during it? I mean, obviously you were up and down and there's only so much that you Mm -hmm. could do, but what were some of the things that you would tell other people to do that you told yourself that maybe helped
1: even a little bit during that time period? Oh, yeah. So I think a few things that helped me is first, my husband was just incredibly supportive throughout Mm -hmm. the entire process. Mm -hmm. I think as much as you can, being able to get some kind of loved one in your corner during this time, like even physically showing up with you to the appointments, if you can, makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Because even that experience of going to the waiting room, sitting there, seeing noticeably pregnant women, can be really triggering for people. It can just really increase that anxiety. So I think having people in your corner is really helpful because the Dr. Google... Just scenario is so common among us. I think one thing that I found really helpful for my second experience of pregnancy was anytime I found myself kind of wondering, okay... I'm thinking about this. I'm worried about this. Write all your questions down. Write them down like on a notes pad, something like that on your Mm -hmm. phone. And then the next Mm -hmm. time you go to your doctor, ask them those questions. Right. So I think one thing I try to always tell my clients is we can't get rid of all those different things going on in our mind. We can Mm -hmm. give space to them, but there is a way that we can give space to them without completely being consumed by Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was kind of helpful, just writing down those questions, giving space to them. And then if I still was wondering about them by the time I got to the doctor, I would then ask the doctor that, or if i really needed the help i would write down my questions and i would ask my husband to google them so that mm-hmm. i wouldn't go down the rabbit hole right, which right. was also really helpful right
0: so then you finally found out that it was not a viable pregnancy mm-hmm. and how did you feel emotionally i mean what went through your mind
1: right when you found that out you know i think i just felt devastated shattered shocked really i think it was something that I had almost rehearsed that scenario in my mind over right. and over right. and over Because again. you had a month of someone telling you that this might not be viable. Exactly. So many times I imagine like laying on that table and then my doctor saying like, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat or this pregnancy is not viable, mm-hmm. but nothing really prepares you, it felt like, for that moment. For the actual moment. Exactly. So what did the doctor say to you? So she said that, you know, I'm sorry, it just doesn't really appear that's going to be a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely, again, that sense of just like absolute shock and devastation. And this came later, but there was some sense of almost relief in the sense of like, oh my God, mm-hmm. we finally know. Right. Like we've been going so back and forward. And finally, like this thing that I'd rehearsed in my mind is actually, it came true yeah. in some sense. Mm-hmm. And now we can actually like figure out how we're going to move forward mm-hmm. from there. Right. I mean, it feels like a little bit of purgatory in that yes. short time.
0: like for you a month, that's insane. For me, it was, you know, about a week maybe of not knowing. And so I can't even imagine having to deal with three times that. Yes, But you find out that it's not viable. And what
1: are your options? What does the doctor tell you that Needs to be done now. So she recommended to us to do the DNC just because she said, based on like how far along I was, the type of miscarriage I had, it was called a blighted ovum, where mm-hmm. it's like a gestational sac that keeps growing while the embryo doesn't grow along with it. Mm-hmm. So, because of the size of the gestational sac, essentially, she recommended that we do a DNC. And even if she hadn't recommended that, I think I would have probably chosen that option right. as well, too. Just the idea of like, I want to just like move forward with this. I don't want to wait at home. I've heard horror stories of what that has been like. And it just, for me and my husband, like that was the path that felt the best for us. Right. So
0: how did you cope after this? And, you know, what were some of again, those logical things that you had been trained with Mm -hmm. in order to
1: help yourself cope? Yeah. Well, I think some of the things that really helped me in the beginning was taking some time off of work, which I don't think is always an option for people. Mm -hmm. But for me, Being a therapist, a lot of my work is like sitting with people in their pain, in their despair, and we're like walking through their emotions and thoughts. And as much as I needed distraction, it was, I just didn't want to deal with anything pain related, emotional related. I just need some time for myself to be able to grieve with my husband. Mm -hmm. I think some of the things that helped me during that time was being able to honestly just feel like crap for many Mm -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. to be okay with not being okay. Okay. To be able to, um, I'm a little biased here, but going to therapy was really helpful for me. I'm all about advocating for that. Mm -hmm. We went to both individual therapy and couples therapy as well, too, because I think this really isn't, it's not a woman's issue, it's a family issue. So being able to approach that together was really helpful. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think some other things that I did that I really needed at the time was a lot of journaling as well mm-hmm. to just kind of writing everything I'm feeling. And probably one of the biggest thing was um, getting support. So mm-hmm. getting support from the people in my life, but also even looking outside that to women who had experienced miscarriage as mm-hmm. well too. That's how you know, I found out what you sharing about your miscarriage, like that really helped me. Hearing people talk about their stories, talk about how much of a roller coaster it is, Being able to get that sense of like validation and recognition of another woman being there, another family being there Mm -hmm. was incredibly healing Mm -hmm. to me. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times for women, after they experience miscarriage, they have this kind of thought of, am I making this too big of a deal? That's what I hear a lot of clients say of like, no one else is talking about this. Right. So am I... I don't know, something wrong with me that I'm so upset or that I'm not upset right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the blueprint is. So being able to hear other people's stories, it just allowed me to be like, it is okay to not be okay. It's okay to be upset, to be sad, to be confused, to be angry, resentful, all the different spectrum of emotions. So I think that's something else that I just found really helpful. And I always advocate people trying to find those kind of resources, whether it is a podcast, whether Mm -hmm. it is Facebook groups, whatever you can just to feel connected to other people who've experienced this kind of loss because Mm -hmm. there are so many of us out there. Right. And was it hard for you to tell other people, given that you
0: had told so many people? I mean, I know that's one of the reasons, like we said, why people don't tell so many people at the beginning, because then they don't want to have to break the news and have to retell the story over and over Hmm. again. I mean, from what I'm hearing, it seems like you are a little bit of an open book like I am. (laughs) And so you then had to break the news to a lot of
1: people. And what was that like for you? Yeah. You know, I think the way that I approached it, and this kind of varied for each of my miscarriages, but for the first one, I think I went ahead and told my immediate family, like right afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it really helped me actually being able to share with them. One thing I tell a lot of my clients that I work with when it comes to experiencing any kind of loss or trauma, mm-hmm. telling our story can be so healing mm-hmm. for us. Sometimes mm-hmm. like it's so confusing in our head. We're like, how do I make sense of this? Right. Being able to tell my story over and over and over again actually helps me feel like somewhat at peace with it. Like I can mm-hmm. sort this a little bit more. So mm-hmm. I found it helpful to be able to share it with others. But there's certainly a point where I'm like, I don't want to say this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I mean, again. I felt that way. I was like telling
0: my friends and family and then I was recording the podcast about it. And then I was mm-hmm. recording YouTube and then I was posting on social media. And I felt like airing it over and over I'm and s- over. And each time I had to talk about it, it was so much more painful. And I was like, why am I kind of punishing myself and continuing to do this? But at the same time- I feel like because I was able to have so right. many different conversations about it with so many different people, mm-hmm. so many different times and uh, points of my healing process, it helped me to actually get through it. Yes. And then after those couple weeks of sharing it, I was like, okay, I am actually over this. And I remember a month after it happening, someone was like, I heard what happened. I'm so sorry. Someone that I hadn't spoken to. And I was like, I I kind of for a second was like, what are they talking about? And then I was like, oh my God, I thank you. But I'm totally fine. But then I felt even more guilty that Mm. even just after a month of it happening that I was like totally fine. yeah. And now I ho- honestly hardly even think about it. What do you tell people like me yeah? who, you know, like I was talking about this relief and feel mm-hmm. totally fine with what happened and kind of feel like numb to it. How do you help people talk through those kinds
1: of emotions? Yeah. I think the first thing I tell them is that it is completely normal to feel really anything Mm -hmm. after a miscarriage, that Mm -hmm. there is no right way to feel after miscarriage. And that's actually a really common response for people to feel relief or to feel numb Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. I hear that so often, but unfortunately most of the time it's in like a closed space, like in a therapy office, because that's the only place that someone feels comfortable talking about it. Right. Because there's this idea, and I think that you and your husband talked about this on your podcast, that as women, we're just thought to have to feel completely just over the moon, overjoyed anytime, like about pregnancy. Like I want to be a mom 100%. There's no room for doubt or uncertainty or concern for how's this going to impact my body, my life, my career, my family, anything. So it feels like there's no room to share of like when— things don't turn out the way we expected that, wow, now I'm kind of considering the idea that financially we're kind of going to be in a better spot right now. I feel relieved about that. Or actually, you know, maybe this wasn't the best time for us. And I feel kind of relieved that we have more time to focus on our relationship, our career, our future, traveling, things like that, which again is all so normal. So I think where I would approach someone who's dealing with that is first, again, telling them that it's normal, telling them that they are not alone in that and Mm -hmm. that there is no right way to feel. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think alongside that is a lot of times we don't just feel one thing too. It's like sometimes we feel relief. Mm -hmm. I feel relief that, okay, I'm not having this baby right now, which means that I get to focus on my career, financially, I can get a better place. Me and my partner can get to a better place. And at the same time, I do feel grief. I feel grief that my child is not going to have a sibling or Mm -hmm. that this life wasn't able to... Come to fruition because I had all these expectations. Mm -hmm. So I think, again, being able to even normalize the fact that you may feel like a hundred emotions all at once Mm -hmm. and all in the same day, Mm -hmm. too. I think that's something that my husband has really taught
0: me is like, you know, feelings about this kind of thing aren't mutually exclusive. I think sometimes we really judge ourselves because we're feeling something, but we have to remember that these feelings are so complicated. And one second you could be feeling something you feel shameful for. And then five minutes later, you could be feeling something that actually you feel okay. Okay, to talk about that you feel like no one's going to judge you for. So I think just like you said, knowing that these emotions are so complicated and that they're changing constantly yes. and that they're all okay, mm-hmm. whether or not they're negative or positive right. about a negative situation, they're all okay. And that's really what like your book is about, yeah. right? I mean, you had this miscarriage and then you you grieved it for a little while. You took some time off work. Were you in a mindset of like, let's try to get pregnant right away again? Like what were your next steps after that, after you kind of dealt with the trauma of it all?
1: Yeah, so we pretty quickly decided. And it was one of those things where we kind of decided, but at the same time, weren't saying it explicitly. We're mm-hmm. like, let's try again. We're not gonna yeah. like not... S- Say it explicitly. We're right, to get, but right. we're gonna like see You're what not happens. You're not gonna try. exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I think there was this thought in the back of my mind of like, we need more time. Mm-hmm. We should wait actually a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually not okay right now. But I think I had this thought in the back of my head of. Maybe if we get pregnant again and have a successful pregnancy, that this last miscarriage will be almost like this sad footnote in an otherwise just really happy story. I wanted to be able to almost just like push that to the side. Mm -hmm. So by January of this year, we found out that we were pregnant again and I was overjoyed, excited but so, so very anxious. I'm sure. The idea of like, oh my God, what if this happens again? And we got a really early appointment the first time I found out I was pregnant. This time I was like, no, opposite. I want to wait to the very like last minute for us to go in. Okay. Because I don't want to have the same experience where we go in, they're like, you're too early. Keep coming back for right. more and more testing. I was like, I don't want limbo. I mm-hmm. want to just go in. And they say like, yes, no, go from there. Mm-hmm. And did you tell everybody right away again? I did. Yeah. yeah. I can't stop that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just who you are. Exactly. No matter what. I was like, and hey, I'm just kidding go ahead and tell everyone again. And yeah. um, and that was even a different experience, I think. Because the first time I was so excited and everyone else was mm-hmm, so excited.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The second time I was excited, but I was much more cautious right. in my excitement. So mm-hmm. when I would share with other people and they would be like, oh my God, I can't believe this. I know it's going to be great. It was really hard to receive that because mm-hmm. that's just not where I was at. So, you know, I would share like, I appreciate that. I'm not there yet. Wait till we get to this point. Then I will be right there with you, right. cheering alongside you. Right. And now a word from our partner.
0: Okay, so I radiate heat when I sleep. I get so hot, I get so sweaty. Timmy complains about it, it's really not sexy, but I recently heard about Buffy and tried it and it's helped so much. Buffy makes bedding that is earth-friendly and cruelty-free. So there's a comforter by Buffy called The Breeze and The Breeze is the one that actually regulates temperature. No more night sweats. You can get super cozy without overheating. It's 100% plant-based And the design is breathable and keeps you comfortable all throughout the night in a way that polyester and downfilled comforters just really cannot. It's made of eucalyptus fabric inside and out. It's so, so, so soft, softer than cotton. And it naturally really soothes my skin. I'm really weird about sheets and comforters. I usually like to sleep in full sweatsuits, but with this, I feel like I can actually have some skin out. As I said, it's earth-friendly. The eucalyptus uses 10 times less water than cotton to grow and its fiber is produced using recyclable earth-friendly solvents. Plus it's hypoallergenic and the high thread count shuts out dust, mold, and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. Here's the deal. You guys need to try this. I am giving you guys $20 off. For $20 off your Buffy comforter, visit Buffy.co and enter the code WIT20. That's two zero. Again, $20 off your Buffy comforter. Visit Buffy.co and enter the code WIT20. t two zero. And now back to our combo. So you were cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. And so you waited until, you know- The pregnancy was far enough along where the doctor could give you some answers. Exactly. And what
1: happened? So we went, waited until we would have been about like 10 weeks or so. Okay. So we got to the doctor and I love my doctor for this because she's very quick in giving news. Mm -hmm. And like right off the bat, she says, okay, I can hear a heartbeat. Everything looks good. Like everything looks normal. Okay. And I didn't even realize until she said that, that I've been like holding a breath for the entire month of mm-hmm. February, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I just released it. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. And there's a video my husband took of, like, the heartbeat. And in the background, I'm just saying over and over again, I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe it over and over again with a few expletives as well, too. But it's like, I, yeah, can't, I can't, can't believe, it. believe <laughs> it. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I am saying. I can't fucking believe yeah. it. I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. And we were just so happy. I feel like we went back to like kind of that excitement mode of like, oh, my God, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. This is so exciting. Like, yes, we had a miscarriage. It happens to a lot of people. This is our, like, resilience story. Right. All this kind of different stuff in our head. And. We were really excited for those like three weeks or so before our next appointment. We Mm -hmm. let ourselves dream and plan and join our family and being just as excited. Mm -hmm. And then we went back for our, that would have been our 12-week appointment. Mm -hmm. And again, at that point, like I'd still experienced some symptoms. My ECG levels were rising. So Mm -hmm. I was feeling fatigue, some nausea. Breast Which hair. are good things right. to
0: feel when you're pregnant for sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I remember I felt that for about seven weeks. And then, like I said previously, I woke up one morning and was just like, I don't feel anything. Like, I don't yes. feel nausea. I don't feel tired. And I was like, oh my God, maybe this pregnancy is just going to be like an amazing pregnancy and right. I'm not going to have any of these shitty symptoms. But
1: okay, so you still felt those things, mm-hmm. but you went for 13 weeks, right? Yeah, it's, okay. around, it's around like 12, 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. And we go there. And again, like immediately the doctor says, like, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. I think that this pregnancy is no longer viable. Oh, my
2: God. And it was
1: like... It was an interesting comparison experience just because the first time I had like rehearsed that scenario in my head so many times and was still like devastated yeah. by hearing those words. Mm-hmm. But the second time around, I hadn't been rehearsing that. I was really confident and hopeful that this pregnancy was viable. Mm-hmm. So then hearing it this time around, you were just shocked, just completely shocked. And I don't know if this was your experience or not, but I feel like. Whenever you hear that news, it goes from slow motion almost, where you're just like sitting there shocked, can't believe it, to moving very quickly.
2: Mm-hmm
1: where you're sitting there hearing that news, you're barely able to digest it. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor's like, okay, we need to talk about getting a DNC. We need you to go next door. And it's like, how am I even
0: supposed to process this? And now all of a sudden, it just becomes this physical thing that you have to
1: deal with Mm -hmm. while you're dealing with all the emotions. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, and it was so deja vu because we had just been there (gasps) just a few months ago where she was like, okay, you need to get next door, do pre-op, do the the DNC again just because Mm -hmm. I've been so far along. And I remember even just walking over to that hospital and getting asked all the questions and being kind of in that place that you mentioned, of just being kind of numb Mm -hmm. at that time, Mm -hmm. being numb and having all these questions asked of me of like, do you understand what's going to happen? What's, you know, how have you been feeling? All these kind of things. And I just wanted to scream like, oh my God, I know I've been here before. Yeah, I was just here a few months ago. Like spare me all the gory details,
0: all the questions, like just do it, get it done with. Exactly.
1: And I still remember when we were at that hospital, there was a woman there, because I was just like crying the whole time, not really saying anything, but just like kind of crying. And everyone there was really kind. One of the staff members was just like, you know, it's going to be okay. I had three or four losses myself. Like you can get through it. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciated her sharing that. And at the same time, I remember thinking three or four losses. Like how am I going to do this one or two more times? Exactly. Yeah. Just the idea of like, how could I, is that going to be my story? Mm -hmm. How also is that number not like, Imprinted in your mind mm-hmm. that it becomes almost like three or four. I can't really keep count. Of, right. All of that just made me feel like so overwhelmed mm-hmm. and just like just cons- devastated, exactly. depressed. Exactly. Yeah. So, what was the reason for the second miscarriage? They ended up doing testing for the second one because we were further along, mm-hmm. and they said it was chromosomal abnormalities, okay. essentially, which is one of just the most common causes of miscarriages, which Mm -hmm. is helpful to know, to at least just get that kind of information moving forward. Right. So now are
0: you in, in a place where you're not trying for a while or how has these two
1: miscarriages affected now you thinking about the future? Yeah. So what ended up happening for me is After my second miscarriage, and actually even a little bit before, I had started writing my book, The Mm -hmm. Miscarriage Map, Mm -hmm. because after my first miscarriage, I started looking around for resources, something Mm -hmm. to help me kind of walk through like, what is this new hell that I'm in right Mm -hmm. now? And there are some great books out there, but I couldn't find one that was exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. I wanted one that was like real and authentic another woman's like story through miscarriage as well as having some like research-based insights of not only I've been through this, but this is what you can do to cope and move forward as well. So my story and the chapters in my book started to just evolve as my journey just kept evolving. Okay. So I had chapters about surviving the first month after mm-hmm. miscarriage, mm-hmm. going back to work after miscarriage, your relationship after loss, and your relationship with your body after mm-hmm. loss as well, too. And one of my favorite chapters was talking about some of just all the negative emotions you feel right. after miscarriage. I have right. a whole chapter about how may I feel like angry and resentful and jealous and upset and how those feelings suck and they don't feel good, and at the same time, they're normal. Mm -hmm. and that it's so important to allow yourself to feel that way. Mm -hmm. It was also through the course of writing that book that I realized that a lot of times, I think the way that the journey goes for women, especially women who speak out about miscarriage that I've heard is these beautiful stories of resilience, Where it's, Mm -hmm. I've had this loss, I've had this loss, and I keep going and I keep going. And I think those stories are so helpful for me to hear. And at the same time, as my husband and I were working through after our second miscarriage, Mm -hmm. we realized we're like, we don't know if we want to keep going Mm
2: -hmm. right now Mm -hmm.
1: After the second miscarriage we were referred over to fertility testing
2: okay because
1: after the first one you get a lot of like information about miscarriage is really common this of doesn't course. say anything about the fact that you wouldn't go on to have a successful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But after a second miscarriage, you don't get that same kind of like spiel. Essentially, you hear like, there is a concern here. Maybe there's something to look into. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we started Mm -hmm. that testing. But at a certain point, I remember feeling some kind of resistance of like, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. this has been going on for way too long. Mm -hmm. So we reached a point where we had this conversation where we're like, okay, do we want to have kids? And the answer to that was yes. Yes. The second question to that is, are we willing to do anything and everything physically, financially, emotionally to have kids? Mm-hmm. The answer to that for us right now was no. Yeah. We decided like, you know what, right now we want to focus on each other, on our life together, on our family, our careers, everything else. And that felt really good mm-hmm. to be able to choose that. Mm-hmm. I think miscarriage, it takes away so many of our choices, our sense of control in the world, and being able to actually choose something for ourselves ourselves felt so empowering. And right. that's kind of the path that we're on right now is that we are no longer trying. Instead, we're focusing on our life together, on this book, on having conversations about miscarriage. And it's just felt really, really good. That is really, really powerful. I mean, you know, sometimes these kinds of
0: things can you know, tear couples apart because the woman can feel so insecure and they can take it on their husband. And then other times it can really bring couples closer together because Mm -hmm. you realize that, like my mom always says, you're, you're really two before you're three or four or five, like you guys are the foundation. And if you are not strong, then what is the point of even bringing a, you know, human being into the world for you guys? You know, how did you work through this together. Was it a, a big struggle at the beginning? Was it hard to get to this point? Like
1: how did you get here? Yeah. You know, I think for the first miscarriage, we did have some struggle right at the beginning. Yeah. Like he and I had really different reactions to it. I mm-hmm. think for me again, I was feeling just like devastated, lost and confused. And it was the first probably really huge emotional trauma we had both experienced mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. And I think even it was the first time I was able to see how he responds to something like mm-hmm. that. And so for him, automatically went into like just trying to help me mode, trying to yeah. like fix it mode yeah, yeah. and take care of me. So there was a lot of I think he made a few statements like, you know, at least it happened really early or, you know, we weren't really that attached to it yet and mm-hmm. things that really hurt me in the Mm -hmm. moment because that's Mm -hmm. not where I felt. Like a little bit dismissive. Exactly. And I knew inside of me that that was not his intention at all, that Mm -hmm. he was working through his own grief as well. And I think he needed to say that out loud as much as for me as for him as well too, to try to just deal with the onslaught of pain that he was experiencing. And I remember when we got home, he had had a work trip scheduled just a few days later. Actually, no, it was just the the day of that we found out that we were having the miscarriage and the DNC was scheduled for a week later. And he had asked me like, is it okay if I go for this trip still? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. And I really meant like, yeah, it's okay. Nothing else is going to happen here anyway. We have to wait till next week for the DNC. So you should, you should go. Right. But when he left, I just felt like this kind of like gulf between us almost of like, oh my God, this is the hardest thing we've ever experienced and you're not. Here right next to me. Yeah. Exactly. And he just, I think, a testament to the amazing person that he is. I think he just knew that intuitively that, and he kept asking me after he left, like, are you sure it's okay? I can come back. I can come back. And I'm like, no, it really is okay. I don't. I don't know what you could do. And there's not really anything to do. Mm -hmm. There's just that sense of like, I need you to be here. Of just physically being there. Exactly. Is there something that
0: you tell men or really anybody when it comes to grief, like certain things that you can say Mm. to your significant other or family member, whoever it is, someone you're close
1: to in order to help them through it and certain things not to say? Yeah. I think something that can be helpful is even starting off with, and I heard a lot of people say this to me of, I know there's no right thing I can say here, but I'm here with you right now. Mm -hmm. I think with miscarriage especially, it's really helpful to ask kind of like open-ended questions that in no way assume what their experience is. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying something like, oh my God, I'm sure you're so devastated right now. Tell me about it. Mm -hmm. If that's not their experience, they're automatically going to feel kind of like closed off or worried. I'm like, am I supposed to feel devastated right Right. now? That's not what I feel. Right, right. So instead being able to just share of like, yeah, like I know there's something right I can say right now, but I'm here with you and I wanna know what's going on for you. Tell me what this means mm-hmm. to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even if they don't wanna say anything, I'm like, you don't have to say anything. I'm just gonna be here next to you. I think another really helpful thing is so open ended questions and mirroring their reality mm-hmm. is an important piece. Like, so if you're sitting with someone who is in a place of like, this just fucking sucks. Like, I am mad, I'm unhappy. I think a lot of us have that tendency that it sucks to see someone that you love in pain. So we Mm want to just fix it. We want to turn that frown upside down. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that can feel, like you mentioned earlier, dismissive. Mm -hmm. So instead being able to be like, this does really, really suck. Let's talk about it. Like, Mm -hmm. it is not okay. And we're my sister-in-law. I think when I was kind of like in that place, I'm like, this really sucks. She's like, it does. Do you want to go like toilet paper someone's house? Like, what would happen? And I was like, I loved that. Like, that was almost one of the best things that someone could say to me Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm Because it just, it reflected where I was at. Right. And I really needed to hear that. Totally. And I
0: think it's also important for friends or significant others or anyone who is experiencing a loss to bring it up even when the other person is not even saying anything about Mm -hmm. it or talking about it. Because just to know that they're thinking about it it and they're caring about it and that you don't have to trigger the conversation means something, you know, because for us, we're thinking about it all yes. the time. Sometimes we feel like we're forgotten, that our feelings are forgotten and that we don't want to bring it up all the time because we feel like a burden. So I think it's so important for other people to be bringing it up as well. Yeah. And now a word from our partner. So I got an away suitcase literally the second that I heard about them. They are so cute. They come in the cutest colors and they look like they are made out of steel, but they're not. They can last you a lifetime. But if any part of your suitcase breaks, Away's standout customer service team will actually arrange to have it fixed or replaced ASAP. You have a hundred day trial on everything Away makes so you could take it out on the road, live with it, travel with it, get lost with it. And if you decide it's not for you, You can return any non-personalized item for a full refund. No ifs, ands, or asterisks. Also, they have free shipping on any away order within US, Europe, and Australia. You can get away offline too. So if you want to see it for yourself, which I totally understand because it's a piece of luggage, you can shop everything away at their stores in New York, Austin, LA, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and London. It is so thoughtfully designed. It's so durable. As I said, it gives you so many different features to keep things organized. It's easy to carry up and down stairs because it's so lightweight. It has a very like minimalistic look to it. So it's good in any context and with any travel and the wheels don't stick. There's a laundry bag for dirty clothes. Have you ever even heard of a suitcase that has that? And a built-in lock that the TSA won't question. The way the suitcase is constructed really solves for a lot of the little headaches that you've learned to live with when you travel. Also, just knowing that they will replace your suitcase if anything ever breaks means that I don't ever have to worry about my luggage. I am giving you guys a special offer. For20 dollars off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com/withwit and use promo code with wit during checkout. Again, for20 dollars off your suitcase, visit awaytravel.com/withwit and use promo code with wit during checkout. And now back to our combo. So what are some of the ways that you cope now when you start to feel insecure about yourself and your position or your question, your decisions? Like what are some coping skills now when, you know, you see friends having babies, like how do you work through these
1: complicated emotions? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think first, definitely leaning into the support that I do have. Mm-hmm. So being able to find people and share with them, maybe all of the emotions that I don't feel great about that, let's mm-hmm. say a friend's baby shower and I'm like, I just don't want to go. Right. Like it sucks that I don't feel excited right, right now for this. Right. That's actually how I start the beginning of my book, The Miscarriage Map, is that I was such a dick at my best friend's joint baby shower. Like I went to their baby shower a few months after my first miscarriage and I was miserable the right. whole time I was there. And I hated that because I loved those girls so much. I was so excited for them. And at the same time, I wasn't in a place emotionally where it was easy for me to be like, excited mm-hmm. and supportive of them in the way that I wanted to be. And the way I coped with that is that I leaned on my support system. I was able to share that with them. And I was able to share that with my friends as well, too. Of like, I'm going to be here, but I need to put boundaries around what I'm like, willing to do. Mm-hmm. So instead, when I was going to actually plan that baby shower, I was like, I can't plan it anymore, but I want to show up. I want to help you in some kind of other way. Mm-hmm. I think something else that's really important for people is being able to share with others what you need from them, Mm -hmm. not necessarily what you don't need. I think this is something that happens a lot of times in couples as well too. Like we'll tell our partner of like, I don't need you to fix things for me. I don't need you to do X, Y, and Z for me, Mm -hmm. which is helpful for them to know. But they need to also know what they can do Mm -hmm. instead because Mm -hmm. they just want to help you. I would say about 99% of the time. So being able to say to my partner of... Hey, when I say that I'm really sad and I'm thinking about our loss today, all I need you to say is like, I'm here with you. Right. Put your hand on me and just say like, I'm here with you right Mm -hmm. now. And that's all I need in Mm -hmm. those kind of moments. And I think that can just go such a long way in your relationships, in your friendships, at work, all of that. So I think that's a really great coping skill just to make sure that you get your needs met as well Mm -hmm. and to help the people in your life too. Right. Right but how do you stay confident in your decision,
0: like to not try to have a baby? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for me, I'm constantly questioning whether or not to have a second child. And I think sometimes being in that limbo of not knowing what I want to do makes me really insecure. And then yes. whenever anybody asks me, are you going to have a oh second? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I I I I'm not there yet, or I don't even know if I want one. And so, Like, what would you tell someone like me who feels insecure
1: about their decision because they don't even know what they want yet? Right. I think the first thing that comes to mind is I would likely say, you may not ever get to a place that you're 100% confident Mm -hmm. that like, this is the decision that you want right now. I think for a lot of us, we're just going to sit in a place of uncertainty. And can I be okay with that uncertainty? Can I sit there knowing that, yeah, there's a part of me that maybe wants this right now, but- there's also a huge part of me that isn't really sure. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. This is where I need to be right now. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is that we sit in this like sense of discomfort because we feel like we should be 100% sure of like, right. this is it. I've decided I'm not having kids anymore. And that's where I'm at right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with as well. Like in the place that I'm at is like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have kids or not mm-hmm. ever. Right. Even right now. That feels okay to be uncertain about that. Yeah. Just to think that it could change. It may not change. But right now today, this is where I'm at. Right. And even just allowing that to be, again, not 100% confident and allowing that to be fluid as well, too, if you can. That one day, you may feel that really strongly. Another day, you may not feel that at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it may just be that soon a collection of days turns to weeks to months that you're like, yeah, you know what? I felt this way for a while and I think I'm ready to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And again- because I'm a little biased, I'm going to plug therapy again. I think that therapy can really be a great place to be able to talk that through Mm -hmm. as well too, to Mm -hmm. give space to the doubts again, that because again, having a kid is such a big decision. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to be 100% confident ever, no matter what your situation Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I
0: know, I think- you know, for me, I have anticipation anxiety in general, Mm -hmm. whether it's about a second kid or not, I'm constantly thinking ahead and about what I have to deal with or overcome in the future. And it's so hard for me to stay present. So obviously when it comes to such a big decision as a second kid, like that is just in my nature to anticipate it and have anxiety about it. And you're definitely not the first person that's told (laughs) me that I should probably go to therapy. (laughs) But I think the big thing for me is I tell my husband how I'm feeling and he tells me the same things that you're telling me that it's okay not to know right now and nothing needs to happen. I think what sticks in the back of my head is knowing that my husband, you know, definitely wants to have more and he'll make little comments here and there. Mm. Sonny will do something cute and he'll be like, oh my God, we have to have another, you know? And so those little, not digs, but comments can then make me feel insecure about the place that I'm at. Mm -hmm. But again, I need to constantly remind myself that nothing has to be decided today. Exactly. And then, you know, I've thought even about freezing an embryo so that I don't have to be so nervous about Mm. it. And that even if I did want to get pregnant when I was late 30s or 40, that I had that kind of backup plan so that I didn't have to put myself under so much pressure. But yeah, I think that really trying to stay in the moment and not putting so much pressure on yourself to feel one way or the other is so important for people.
1: I completely agree. And like you said, even just those comments that maybe your husband would make about, oh, it'd be so great to have like another child of allowing those comments to kind of sit with you, allowing that to be like, whew, that one, it doesn't one hurt. Yeah, that one Mm -hmm. hurt. Like that one didn't feel good. And that it doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, that means like maybe I need to do X, Y, and Z right now, Mm -hmm. but that these just kind of comments are going to affect me. Right. Way Just the same way that even months after my miscarriage, just going to baby shower, it has an effect on me. It doesn't mean of like, oh, I want to have a baby right now. It just right. means like, yeah, this one hurts right. a little bit and that's okay. Right.
0: If you could just talk about your book and yeah. why you think it is so important for people to get their hands on it when
1: struggling through something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my hope for the book, and I have felt really, really fortunate and thankful that a few people have already reached out to me quite a lot just sharing their experience of reading the book is that first of all, just really authentic. It is raw. There's a lot of cussing in it. There's a lot of just like sharing of like, this is all the parts that really, really suck and are mm-hmm. difficult or and painful. And at the same time with that recognition of like, this is what you may be going through. This is how you can move forward as mm-hmm. well too. This mm-hmm. is how if you're struggling with your relationship afterwards, you're specific exercises that you can do with your partner to explore how this has impacted you. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with your relationship with your body after miscarriage, Mm -hmm. here are different exercises that you can use in order to start to reconcile that mind-body connection Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And it evolves to a point of being able to the last chapter of moving forward, not past of how can I get to a place of being able to figure out like what direction is going to work for me? there's a concept that's used in the fertility community a lot, like a rainbow baby, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with that concept. I'm not. It's essentially the idea that if anyone who experiences like infertility, pregnancy loss, things like that, they get a, if they have a baby afterwards, it's like their rainbow baby, mm-hmm. like after the storm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I talk about the idea that sometimes it's not necessarily that the baby is going to be your rainbow, mm-hmm. but you may have another rainbow mm-hmm. in your life and being able to part of the last chapter is finding ways to define what your own rainbow looks like, whether it's a baby, whether it's your career, whether it's your relationship, whatever else of having Mm -hmm. that freedom to Mm -hmm. go there. And I think that's important because there's, again, a lot of beautiful books out there and a lot of them talk about the idea of like, and this is what it looks like to have a kid after that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to talk about all the different journeys that Mm -hmm. your life may take. Sometimes it is a baby, sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. And I had one person specifically who reached out and said, like, I was not expecting that. But that's exactly what I needed to hear. Right. I needed to know that it is okay if that's not your story afterwards. Right. right. And what would
0: you say to women who are blaming themselves, who mm. even though they logically know that there was nothing that they did wrong, what can you say to women
1: feeling that way? Yeah a couple of things. First of all, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. You are 100% not alone. Mm -hmm. So many of us experience that. The second thing I would say is if you can take the time to write down all those awful things that your mind is telling you, whether Mm -hmm. it's like, I did this, something is wrong with me that I can't have a baby. There's one chapter in my book called Not Today Shame, Mm -hmm. where I essentially write down my shame tracks where it's like, I'm less of a woman because I can't have a baby. Mm -hmm. And I did something wrong that made this happen. And can I share that with someone else in my life? You know, Brene Brown says this really beautifully, Mm -hmm. the idea that shame cannot survive being spoken out loud. And there's something so powerful about being able to share those kind of shame tracks with the people in our life that is so healing One I had in my mind for the longest time, for whatever reason, was the idea that, are my in-laws going to think less of me because Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. able to have a baby? Mm -hmm. Like we were in like the middle ages and they needed like more children for the farm. Like I knew they did not care at all, but that's where my mind was going. And after sitting with that thought for like a month, I finally shared it with my husband, Michael, in a car ride. I'm like, do you think your family's going to hate me because I can't have a baby? And he's like, no, not at all. They Mm -hmm. just care about you. They love you. And I knew that already, but saying that out loud, Mm -hmm. hearing his response was like, "Oh my God, what a relief!" Right? What a just good feeling that felt like. What a weight lifted off my shoulders right. essentially. So right. I would really say that again, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And if you can to have the courage, because I think it really definitely takes courage to be able to share your shame out loud. I totally agree. Because right? like you said, even though we logically know that
0: your in-laws are not going to hate you because right. of this, like you know it, you still feel those things and have to say them out loud and need that validation. Yeah. And it's okay to need that validation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think people like you and sharing is, So, so, so empowering. Yeah. Because keeping all of this inside is just too much for one person to handle. Mm -hmm. And miscarriage, though, it seems like this solo journey that you have to go through, it's really the opposite.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really the opposite.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being
1: here. Where can we find you and your book and everything about you? Yeah. So my book is on Amazon. It's called The Miscarriage Map. Mm -hmm. And you can also follow me on Instagram at The Miscarriage Map. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Whitney.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.